Warning, this podcast has stories of real-life events and true crime that happens every day. These stories may contain adult language and graphic or disturbing details not suitable for everyone. Listener discretion is advised. In our society, most people are content to go through their daily lives safely and peacefully. But our society is not always safe or peaceful. For that reason... Some men and women answer a higher calling to defend and protect their fellow man. You probably know someone who is one of these people, or maybe you are one of these people. The ones who see and do the things most people would never want to. These things are sometimes heroic and beautiful, but often they are horrific and terrifying. It's these things they don't share about with other people. It's these things they carry with them, so you don't have to. But when they get together, they talk to each other about them. And they call these stories War Stories. Welcome to another episode of War Stories. I'm Tom. And I'm Chuck. And Chuck, I like these episodes because we have one of our friends. We have a returning guest. And I always like when we have our friends on returning guests. This one I've, uh, I haven't had on for a while because he's been busy. What's up, Pete? What's up, dude? What are you doing? They they know me as they know me as Fidel. I think that was oh, that was right. what I was going that was what I was going by when we were doing the uh, the original. That's true. Yeah, Fidel? That was, that was, yeah, because he's well, Cuban. I'm he's Cuban. Cuban, so we I'm call Cuban him Fidel. <laughs> Cuban that yeah, back. going all the way back Pedro. to the vintage uh, Manstalgia podcast uh, with where where War Stories started, and then all the way up into actual War Stories episodes. And uh, you've been uh, you've been in school. I haven't been able to. Our schedules have just been conflicting because you've been in school, but now you're out of school. Tell everybody what you've been up to. I, I am out of school. So uh, I had tried to do the, you know, the fire department, but that just, that did not work out. Um, so I took my medical knowledge from being a paramedic for 10 years and uh, went to college, got that piece of paper that tells people that I'm not a retard um, and uh, got a license to practice medicine. And now I'm a licensed RN with a bachelor's of science in nursing. Uh, I'm actually going to be going back to school. I know it's not, not the brightest thing, but I'll be going back for my master's and getting my nurse practitioner. So, Ooh, an NP, huh? Yeah. yeah. Then I can actually write scripts. It's like a doctor, but better. Because, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it's, like what's interesting is bedside manners. You, you know, jarheads get this reputation as dumbass crayon eaters, and and here's one going for his. We've we've interviewed some of the smartest jarheads on the planet on this podcast. Don't, and here don't you are going I for still your love the red crayons. It tastes like it tastes like cherry. Um, <laughs> so um, we thought we'd have you on have a play date. What's that? You and my son should have a play date. Shit, Why, my daughter like the, too. Both those like motherfuckers. No, I don't, I don't want to fight your kids. For, I don't want to fight your kids. <laughs> with crayons, fucking, right? You like, eat the. What's your flavor color? The purple ones because they taste like grape drink. <laughs> no, <laughs> purple drink. Not grape drink. Purple drinks. Yeah, anything that grape? says it's grape flavored is not grape flavored at all. If you've ever no. noticed, but purple. It tastes. Purple, what does it taste like? Tastes like purple. Purple sugar drink and water. Purple drink. Anyway, purple sugar water. So you. uh from the Marine Corps to the fire department to nursing. And now you're yep. going for your master's, man. That's, that's crazy. Yep. Good for you. Yeah. How long is that going to take another two or three years? Two, it's two years. Uh, master's master's will be two years, but then I have another, like, I think like another year worth of clinicals that I'll have to go through where I'll be practicing 
under the guy, you know, under the supervision and have another nurse practitioner or doctor. So I've got a couple of friends that are doctors that are um, willing to take me on once I get through the classroom portion. So see, so all of you people, the, the Marine Corps is, is just as much of a stepping stone, if not more. <laughs> yeah it's the stepping stone that's uh wet and makes you fall and break every freaking bone in your body. <laughs> that's right i've met a lot of ceos and people high up in business positions <clears throat> especially in the private sector that the moment they hear that you're in the military like who oh, are marine corps and you're like yeah and they're like oh so was i and then you never knew about it about them and then other people are like look next to me like oh shit and then you have a bond the Marine Corps underground is a very big thing. So is the Army underground, Navy underground. Yeah, yeah. there's a there's a bro, it's, you know, the Bamboo Telegraph resource. Like, like it, it's almost like a fraternity would be only better, right? Like, like fraternities yeah. have 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 really dumb traditions. So do the military fraternities. It's a lifelong organization of people that will look out for you, it, you know, and, and and help you through life. So is the military. It's just that fraternities don't get to go out and kill people. Well, a lot of people, it's, it's funny. Cause like a lot of people are like, oh, you're, you're, you're so moto cause you have your Marine Corps this and you wear your Marine Corps shirt and you have your Marine Corps that. And I'm just looking at him like, you know, I'm just telegraphing this to other Marines when I need some shit. Right. Like, oh, you, you work at a car dealership and I'm buying a freaking new car. Cool. You want to hook me up with the friends and family discount? Oh yeah, brother. I got you. No problem. Right. It, you know, I, I call I call because I need a plumber and the guy shows up and he goes, oh, you were in the Marines? Yeah. Oh, me too. I was back Secret in you know, 1997. Oh, super five. Rock on. And then yep. next thing yeah. you know, it's like, oh, man, yeah, I got you for parts. It's 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 across so many of our uh, <clears throat> deep dog first responder, you know, cultures like, you know, you 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 meet a retired cop or you meet a somebody who is a cop and you're oh, you're on the job. Oh, yeah. And then all of a sudden just it's they're all that usual getting to know you bullshit what kind of a person are you melts away and you start talking in a way that really is it, it, and it's a lot like this podcast we've sat like with this. people we've never met before and we just instantly are able to rap about stuff because of shared experiences yeah. so but funny enough so i, I actually because i'm a genius um and i like to stress myself out i bought a house uh while i was in school um because you should have told me, bro. I could have helped you out. Yeah, right. I'm no um, I'm dead serious. Next, if you need a refi, I got you. <laughs> okay, I, I might, I might do that. Um, well, like friends and family discount, Marine Corps, right? You know, Marine Corps, yeah, Marine Corps right? Exactly. I, I'm telling, I told you. Now you know. So, um, so anyway, so I we decided to buy our house, and um, but you know, didn't know, don't know the neighbors, nothing. So I show up. Uh, finally start moving in neighbors start coming out of the woodwork see who's you know who's who's the new douchebag in the neighborhood and uh i put my marine corps flag out the next thing i know i got three guys coming over going hey devil dog and then my next door neighbors come out and one's retired one woman was retired uh la county sheriff uh, i got a neighbor across the street who's a retired lapd officer uh, i got my next my other next door neighbor is a captain with uh with a fire agency uh out here uh, I could then, guess. I could guess pretty accurately what city, or it, it, I can get it down to probably one of three places that you moved. Yeah, <laughs> with that kind of a demographic in your neighborhood, I could probably get yeah. it down to one of three places where you moved. 
So, I mean, but yeah, it's and it's and it's been you know it's been that way. It's you know oh you're you're in the you're in the service. Yeah. Oh, okay. What yeah. did you do when you got out? Oh, I was paramedic for ten years. Now I'm a nurse. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I did. You know, I was I was at uh, LEP for you know twenty twenty seven years and just retired like two years ago. So I've been living that life. Now I now I have somebody that'll wash my house whenever I go out. You know, he calls me up like, hey, I need some help with the you know with the with the fence that I'm putting in the backyard. Yeah, no problem. I come over helping with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just. It, you you get to you get to skip the you know five or ten years that it takes to get to know your neighbors before you can actually start doing that kind of crap yeah well i mean yeah. if you live if you live in southern california up here like i met a neighbor one time and he's like hey if you need to use my snowblower because it's your first year up here and you don't have one you can come use it at any time i'm always home i'm like oh well, yeah again but again i moved live, away live, from southern california <laughs> that's you right in a free state not I moved uh, back to america yeah. when i moved into my neighborhood they knew who I was before I even got there because the previous owners were police. They broadcasted to the certain neighbors in the in the neighborhood that were yeah, to the right friendlies. neighbors. Yeah. And yeah. I when we moved in, I was greeted by all these fucking neighbors. I'm like, who the fuck are these people? And um, a friend, a friend of mine actually lives right up the street, who's another police. And <clears throat> they all came up and, you know greeted and then i threw up my my flags and then they were like the next door neighbor was like oh you're you're a marine i was like yeah he goes me too cool got drunk with him one night and it was a little yep. a little awkward but exactly <sighs> but Good yeah times. it was great let me watch her my, fa- my favorite neighbor though is uh lives uh on the other side the next street over he's not he's not a neighbor neighbor but i drive by his house every day and uh he's got a marine corps flag he's got a thin blue latin flag and he's got a let's go Brendan flag. <laughs> right. Exactly. And uh, let's face it, like, you know, when you see those things, you can make some some pretty good assumptions that those are your people. It's it's the same reason, like, you know, when when Metallica fans wear Metallica shirts, you know, <laughs> to the Metallica <laughs> to other concerts and stuff. You, yep. you always try to throw up a sign that to- shows what tribe you belong to because we're all tribal. It's for honestly, masks have become a political statement because you see people, and I've they heard people say this. I've literally, go, it's a little different. Well, yeah. I, guess. <laughs> I, I just mean like now, now that people are kind of acknowledging that they don't need them, they're still wearing them. In in a lot of cases, I've heard people literally say, "I don't want." to be confused with an anti-vaxxer Trump supporter. So I still wear my mask to let people know that I'm a Biden supporter or that I'm pro-vaccine or that's, are you kidding me? Like, okay, you you do you, I don't give a flying shit. You look like an idiot, you know, whatever. Word on my chin. I'll put it on, but I put it right here. I get the, you get the head nods from other people who aren't wearing masks and they're like, so like, yeah, what's up, dude? I'm you're all, I'm half a rebel. Yeah, but people don't I, I come up to me because every time, every time I see somebody in one of the yeah. in one of like the like today when I went, oh, I had to go pick up some meds and uh, I walked in. <laughs> There's like three guys in there. They all don't have their masks on, and I just kind of went, "Fuck it!" I just took mine off. I was like, "I was like, yeah. they're gonna throw all three of us out then because right. I'm not saying shit." Well, um, that's 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 where we're at. We're at the point. Sh- the guy comes over, shakes my hand. He goes, "He goes, good job, good good job." <laughs> That's where we're at. We're at the point where people are going to need to start to say, I, I will walk into a business, right? Because I live on the border of two states, right? I can literally like walk into Washington from where I work. It's it's on the state line. And Washington still has a lot of mass stuff going on and Idaho doesn't. And 
I will walk into a store and if they're like, oh, sir, did you need a mask? I'm like, no, I didn't. And they go, well, we require you to wear one. So um, I, I can give you one if, if you want to be shopping in the store. I'm like, no, that's okay. I'll leave. And I have walked out of enough stores now to have heard management say to people things like, don't say that. Just, just, if, just let it go. Like if nobody's complaining, just let it go. Cause they're, they're, you know, the bottom line is, is they're losing out on, you know, the almighty dollar is speaking and, and they're yeah. losing out. So, yeah. Yeah. And one it's, it, we're at the point now where the different variants and how it's, how the virus has mutated has gotten it to the point where it's, yeah, to a certain, you know, to a certain extent, some most, you know, most, the majority of the population, if they do, if you do get it, you're going to be down for like two or three days. You're going to have, it's, it's the new flu, essentially. Yeah. Omicron <laughs> is the gift that keeps on giving because everybody's going to get it. It's going to stop making people afraid and you're going to be down for a couple of days and back at it. And that's it. Yeah. That's um, it. But that's, that's the way most viruses usually go. It's very rare right. that you get a, that you get a virus that is, that as it gets more virulent and it gets, you know, it's easier to spread that it gets more deadly or it stays as deadly. Usually right. it has to give up one for the right. other. It's, it's right. going to spread more. It's not going to be, it's not going to be as deadly. Cause yeah. Turns out that's what happens when you don't fucking engineer it in a lab. Oh, holy shit. Did you see the, the, the documents that came out from, um, from DARPA? Yes. For those of you that aren't aware, uh, there's been some leaked memos or freedom of, was it leaked or freedom of information no, act? I don't know. It's a FOIA. It's a FOIA. Yeah. Okay. Somebody, yeah someone got a FOIA so, act. From and if you don't know what DARPA is, DARPA should scare all of you. DARPA is, like when they start to research how do they manufacture technology that can just kill three people, right? Like, like how do we release a virus that can kill specific genetic code? Like DARPA does scary shit, right? Scientific advancement, weaponized scientific military research. Uh, in fact, I think that show lost the, the organization that was like the super secret military organization that was in lost was based on the idea of on DARPA, DARPA, which DARPA, DARPA is, is a real DARPA thing. is what came out with the, they're, they're the ones that come out with like the SR-71 Blackbird. And all that. Yep. Come out with the concepts for that. They're yep. the ones it's that did all the super, testing. It's the engineering think tank for, that for tells stealth. you what can be done. And then it's the rest of the scientific community's job to build it. So what was um, leaked? A so, document basically that admitted that DARPA was involved in the. No, Wuhan. it's that they no. So here's what happened. They came to DARPA saying hey we have this virus it's a it's a corona it's a new strain of coronavirus right. bat bat born and we have we, you know, we have the possibility of uh gain of function gain research to, on it gain of fu- gain of function and darpa's like yeah i know that that'll violate the um mm-hmm. what was the the the, the, the uh it's kind of like the geneva convention but yeah for, it's you know, i can't remember I, either but darpa DARPA, darpa passed darpa said yeah it, we get it, it no, but that good. violates the gain of function more re- research vows and all yeah, that kind moratorium. of stuff yeah there was a moratorium and, on it and then and so they, they came out with Fauci's group said no it won't we're going to do it anyway yeah <laughs> and they they basically likes to kill he's dogs. listed on there yeah he's listed on there so, but oh. yeah, it was, I was like, oh, that's freaking awesome. Now nothing will happen because <laughs> whoever it was that leaked that is going to find, find their way to uh, suicide. be singing with Epstein. So, yeah. So, well, speaking of <laughs> pandemic, we have something uh, you want to talk about it, an EMS story. 
uh, from yeah. the EMS days that kind of is pandemic adjacent in that it involves being a, a public safety employee during a different kind of public health hazard that in my opinion is an actual like holy shit scary like shit scary public health hazard so take it away my brother the floor is yours what's your story all right so um i was i prior to doing all this i worked at as a paramedic uh with american medical response so, wait can i can i back up real quick because i want to add something to this and i think you'll both agree this should to your show man. Tell, this should tell you this story should tell you exactly what you need to know about how much the quote-unquote concern for healthcare workers, police officers, and firefighters during the COVID pandemic was manufactured and political because what you're about to hear is how they actually treat you when there's something dangerous out on the street that they do. Oh, yeah. They're, yeah. So here you go. And I'll piggyback off of whatever fucking Pete says. Yeah, because Chuck knows where this is going. I was working with it, <laughs> and this is some scary shit. Yeah. So so I was so I was working at uh, – an, in AMR, and if for those of you that don't know, AMR does not pay their employees well. I mean, EMTs are making minimum wage. The emergency medical technicians, people that show up with the fire department, and basically, you know, do what they'll do compressions and they'll you know splint your you know splint your arm or leg or stop your bleeding, get you to the hospital. So these are medical professionals, and they're making minimum wage. Like guys, guys that work at In and Out are making two dollars to three dollars more an hour than than EMTs right. make. Paramedics not much better making like I, I think when i left after 10 years i was making 16 something an hour holy shit yeah, yeah. whoa um yeah it was pretty bad we talk about uh, this a lot on the show emts and paramedics don't get paid enough period end it, it, just like the marine corps the redheaded stepchildren of ems so anyway so i'm working i'm working on the ambulance my partner and i um we've been together for a while um so we kind of know how how we think uh, and we get a call out for an unconscious and responsive. Now, that's just a grab bag. They're just right because you never you don't know what the hell you're getting on that. Are they, did they overdose? Are they not breathing? Uh, you know, is it some Grace, kind of a DRT? Right. So at this time, and this was the this was at the height of the Ebola situation. So this is when Ebola was at its peak, and everyone was freaking out. And oh my God, Ebola's here! And we're yeah, what's all gonna the time die. frame? It was like 2015, 2016, yeah. something like that. Something, yeah, like, something that. like that. Yeah. It, it really was when Ebola wasn't just something that people died from in Africa. It had popped up in the United States enough to where they were genuinely telling us to watch out for it. They had confirmed cases at LAX. Yeah. I mean, again, yeah. it was some scary yeah. shit. Yeah. yeah. So we get, we get to the, we get to the house of the, uh, the location of the patient and, um, the patient's on the second floor. It's a male. Wife's there, and <clears throat> we work side by side with uh, the county fire department. Um, now, county fire department does not like private paramedics. I don't know why. We work. We're on the same team, we're working for the same goal, but for some reason, they don't like us. And uh, we happened to make it there. They were short-staffed on their squads, which is their paramedics the, for the fire department. Um, so we were on scene by ourselves with with the fire engine, which is just a captain and like two other EMTs, which is the engineer and the firefighter on on the rig. Um, we go in, and this guy's on his bed. The wife's like, "I haven't." He came home from work, and we haven't. I haven't been able to wake him. 
And now it's like, he's been asleep for six hours and I cannot do anything to wake him up. And the wife's like freaking out. So we go over and we're like, all right, so what's he been doing? You know, the basic questioning, where's, you know, where's he been? Anybody been sick in the house? Is he, you know, taking the medications, whatever. And she goes, no, he doesn't take any medications. No, he just, he just came home from work. But what does he do for work? He's a police officer. He's a detective. Oh, oh shit. And I'm like, okay, where does he now, work? Let me ask you, did, how much did that change things for you? So dealing with the, so dealing with the public is different than dealing with law enforcement, EMS, whatever. Right. That's why I asked. <laughs> not, there's, there's not just the, cause you have the, you have the professional courtesy that you, you know, that you apply to cause you immediately, all right, I know something about this individual. They're not just Joe off the street. This person has a background. Cool. Right. I can kind of that. those doors that just automatically get opened when you, like we talked about at the beginning of the show. Right now. Being that he's law enforcement, he has access to certain locations that most people don't go to, right? Like a prison, which is where he had he had spent the last two days interviewing individuals at Twin Towers. Oh, and I was like, and for those shit. of you who don't know what Twin Towers is, that is the downtown metro detention facility that LA County Sheriff runs. It's it's a prison for all intents and purposes. It's a jail. It's a jail, but, but it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a concrete like, twin yeah. tower structure that, ba- that mm-hmm. with tiny little windows that yep. essentially looks like a fortified freaking castle. It's, it's almost yep. like piss in there. Oh it's, yeah. It's as soon as the doors jail. open and pepper spray. Yeah. <laughs> piss and pepper spray. Yep. Yeah. Need, there needs to be a new candle. And, uh, <laughs> right. Piss and, I can um, make it. Men, it will call it men's central. <laughs> Dude, I can straight make that candle. Dude. <laughs> So I go into the house and, uh, you know, we're doing, we're doing our assessments. Now I'm like immediately thinking in my head, I'm like, okay, so he's been at the jails for the last two days. He's been in contact with inmates. We're at the height of Ebola. The guy's not responding. I check his temperature. The dude's burning up. Um, now I don't have, a, I don't do, we don't actually do thermometers in the field. We use my paramedic thermometer, which is basically wrist to the forehead, but <laughs> it's, right. It's hot. It's hot enough to where I, I touched my wrist to his forehead and I was like, holy sh. It right. Hurt. There, there comes a point where you touch somebody's head. You're like, that motherfucker had a fever. A yeah. Um, and then it's kind of like seeing know, a car go by at 100 miles an hour. You just know what 100 miles an hour looks like. Right. So then, you know, doing, doing the rest of our assessments. So then we're, you know, checking his, uh, his oxygen saturation and his vitals and all that. And I noticed that his blood pressure is low, his heart rate's through the roof, his breathing is all over the place. And when we get him on to, when we go to get him, uh, da- you know, get him off the bed, we notice that he is profusely sweating. I mean, like freaking, like he is drenched. The bed. This dude mm. is septic. Whatever he's got, it's legit, Killing. and it's and it's he's he's not doing well. This is bad. Um, yeah, because he's not. I mean, he's not even respond. Like normally, when a patient is unconscious, unresponsive, usually at least you can get like responsive just painful like stimuli and yeah right you do you do like you do like the sternal rub, rub or trapezius yeah. pinch or you know mm-hmm. interdigital pressure something and you're gonna get it you're gonna get a response you're gonna get like you can get them to react even even junkies that are dying you can get usually this some sort of response yeah this and when you move. don't you know it's fucking bad right when yeah. you don't so i mm-hmm. i did i sternal rub this guy nothing i did a trapezius pinch and like 
I mean, I was, I, I probably bruised this guy and nothing. I mean, he didn't flinch. I'm like, we got to go. So now we have to get the guy from upstairs down into our ambulance. <laughs> Guess who gets to do that? Yeah. You. The, the, yeah. Guy, the, guy, the, the guys that get paid really shitty. Yeah. We're mm-hmm. going to go ahead and throw their backs out and run the risk of getting, of exposing them to, to something. Right. Cause at this uh, point, you know, he got something. But you have no yeah, idea point, what. At this point, at this point, I've been here. Right, you've in been inches face. away from him. You've touched you, him, and he's got hand, well gloved. But my my but, concern is is that I've been literally inches from his face, like trying to listen to his breathing. Because I mean, I tried listening to lung sounds, and they're really diminished. I could almost barely hear him. So I just wanted to like know that he's breathing. And uh, yeah, so now we have to carry him down. So my partner, did you at least leg. have a stair chair? So you'd think so, right? Hmm. Our stair chair didn't work. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So we use even with even with a stair chair, you're still exposing yourself because you're still getting within getting that because of how how you have to control that freaking maneuver it. Now with the newer ones, this is prior to the you know the nifty tracked ones that they have now, where it's like a tank and it just slides down the stairs. You had to still, even if you put them on a stair chair, you still had to pick the damn thing up. So now you're just not only carrying the patient, but you're carrying the patient and the, and chair. the chair. So it's, it kind of defeats the purpose. Um, not to mention that when you put a patient on a chair, like if he was to wake up for whatever reason and he's on the chair, he's going to move. He's going to reach for something. And that's there goes m- both my and my partner's careers, my back. So so we get this guy. Basically, we, we, do, a, we do a GS, a Georgia Street Maneuver, which basically just under his under his armpits my partner grabs under his knees and we just carry his ass down to the gurney right. but that puts his head right here mm. so i'm like yippee even with a mask i'm still freaking out because ebola is bloodborne if he coughs and that shit gets in my eyes i've got to dead yeah right mm-hmm. um if it's ebola i don't at this point we don't know what it is we just know that ebola is really big right now um and uh this guy is messed up. Yeah. Ebola's been big. This guy spent two days in the Twin Towers interviewing someone now, who was exposed to all kinds of nasty shit and now yeah, he's burning and the, up and dying. And the reason that the reason that the, the jails are a big aspect are is because it's a confined space. The two most common places where you see these outbreaks and see shit move really fast is jails and con homes. Because yep. They're enclosed locations. They have people that have close contact with each other. There's no breathing room. And they and do nasty shit. And they do nasty. Yeah. They, they're not, they don't, in jails, they don't take care of themselves. In condoms, they don't get taken care of. So, yeah. Right. Ask anybody about a MRSA outbreak at a jail and how fun that is. Oof. It's gross. Or, or syphilis in a condom. Oof. <laughs> no, I, yeah. Uh, yeah, they they don't they don't use protection because at that point at that age they're like, nah, fuck it, I don't care. Yeah. Um, yep. so anyway, oh, by the way, so- con home for those of you, it's not ex-con, it's convalescent. Like, <laughs> yeah, <it's> a- <laughs> they actually the- have the highest. I just realized like we're, we're yeah, the, 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 con the home sounds range. like uh, sounds like a, a halfway house since we're talking about prison. No, Did we're you talking say about Wizard Ranch. No, li- Lizard Ranch. Lizard Ranch. Oh. You got to go see the Wizard no matter what. So whatever. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so we get this guy downstairs, we get him on the gurney and, uh, we're, it's still just us and the, and the fire engine, the squad still hasn't come. They don't even have an ETA on them. So I tell the captain, Hey, 
I'm like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to take him. I'm like, I'm not sitting around waiting for half an hour for your squad to show up. I'm like, we're just going to go. And he goes, no, you're not. So this me. is where, <laughs> yeah, this is, this is where, this is where the, the issue comes in because captains are in charge of the scene. A fire captain is in charge of the scene. However, patient care falls under the jurisdiction of the highest med- the highest medical authority on scene. So at that point, it's the paramedic, which is me. Right. And the captains don't like to give up their uh, their authority. So I've had a couple of times where I've had new captains that don't know me, that they won't, they don't like to just kind of hand off the scene or hand off the patient, not the scene, but the patient. Right. And uh, unfortunately, this was one of those situations. So I are, I had to kind of basically tell him to go pound sand, shut my door to, to the back of my ambulance. So if we had him in there, I just started treating him and calling the hospital saying, hey, this is what we got. We're coming in, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you can have the house, the bed sheets, the, yeah. you know, you can have all that. I'm going to take the person. The, uh, the, right. cap, the captain on three occasions tried to open the door. And I finally told my partner, I said, if he opens the door again, call the sheriff's. And I'm having him arrested for for delayed patient care because I now he's endangering the life of a patient. And I can't fucking have that. So at that point, the captain threw his hands up and got on the phone with my supervisor. I didn't care because I was already on my way to the hospital. Um, I could not get a line on this guy to save my life or to save his life in this case. Shit. His veins were so... I mean, he was so dehydrated. His BP was such shit that it were just, they were flat. They were collapsed. And every time that I would try and start a line, it would blow. So finally ended up getting uh, an external jugular, the EJ, right on the outside of the neck. It's a nice big needle. I got a, I got a 14 gauge in there. I was able to push, push some fluids because when patients are septic, that's usually what they need. Uh, is the first thing you want to maintain their blood pressure. So, um, get to the hot, you know, call the hospital, said, Hey, this is what we got coming in. You might, you know, establish whatever protocols you got. I don't know what this patient has, but given, you know, symptoms and situation, blah, blah. blah. So hospital says, okay, we got you. Gives me my, you know, gives me my orders. Get to the hospital. That goes off without a hitch call my supervisor hey just let you know we're going to be out of service i'm like we're not sure what we brought in we have to you know we can't go see other patients now because of you know being in contact with areas we have to decontaminate the ambulance so we have to wait until results come back and he's like no you don't you're not contagious you're not contagious it's still in it would still be in gestational period so you you, you decontaminate your rig get back out there oh wow I'm like, doesn't surprise me though. No, no, doesn't. <clears throat> so, now, so had- I'm, I'm going to get you, I'm going to give you the basic rule that I was always taught. And I'm not an EMT. I'm not a paramedic. I'm not a doctor. I'm not even close to any of those things. But common sense tells me if you have a fever, you're contagious. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. And also, if you're in the gestational period, and he's like, well, you're in the gestational period if you've got it. So, you know, it's fine. Wait. Wait, what am I gestating? Let, yeah. let, like, I kind of want right. to know that. Anyway. Yeah. So no, that's, that's, like that's, you said, Chuck, be- not surprised, but very disappointed. Yeah. Not surprised yeah. considering what I went through during this time. Yeah. So I went to, uh, so we go do our decontamination and, uh, you know, they, they're like, no, you're just, you're, 
you're going to be, you're still in there. We're, we're low on, on rigs, which the problem, and this is one of the biggest things that I have an issue with is that private ambulances, private ambulance companies, if they have a 911 contract, ambulances dedicated for 911 should not be used for inter-facility transports. They shouldn't. And the reason, because it, where, where I live, there's, we have a, uh, we have a posting schedule. So when, a, as ambulances, certain level of ambulances go down, you only have a certain number, you have to get moved to, you can cover other areas. And we have a, a location called, uh, 111 Bravo, which is basically, you're the last ambulance in the entire valley. So the entire valley in which I live, if they only have one ambulance, it goes to this one location. If you drive by that location, you'll see an ambulance there almost every day, all the time. Um, because the, it, they have a, they have a tendency to call, to take more calls for interfacility transports than they can handle. And then they basically put a strain on the 911 system. Money, money, money. Yeah. So I, anyway, that's it's just in case my, anybody's wondering those yeah. inner per, those, those, uh, what is it? Inner, inner, IFTs, inner facility transports th- that they bill those yeah like that's 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 a money issue that's straight up a money issue that's it especially especially when you come for when you come from a um um, private ambulance company screwing over everybody working yeah it's basically oh you you have uh we we have four ambulances cool we have a we have a call coming out of uh you know let's say you're in antelope valley they have a call out of san gabe san gabriel valley Right. And you're gonna you're gonna go run that call right now. Those are hours going, apart. Yeah. yeah. So that, that's at least a four hour. That's apart. at least a four hour call where your your ambulance is out of service for four hours for four while you hours, run right. grand, while you run grandma from the hospital to the con home. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, you know the the guy with the gunshot wounds waiting twenty thirty minutes for an ambulance to show up. Right. So anyway, off my soapbox. Back to the, back to the story. Um, my partner and I had finished deconning our rig. They were putting us back in the system. They didn't care that we were just exposed to who knows what the hell we were exposed to. We're at the station and it's, we had run a couple calls in between then, maybe like four or five calls. And um, we get a phone call and nobody calls the station. Usually it's usually like a family member or something. And it's, uh, it's, it's the hospital. And uh, they're like, Hey, uh, we need to speak with the crew that brought in patient XYZ. I'm like, yeah, this, you're talking to him. What's up? Um, so you guys need to come in. Um, the patient does not have Ebola. Uh, however, he does have uh, meningococcal meningitis. Oh. Hmm. That's, not, that's not like meningitis. That's like the meningitis. Right. That's like, uh, yeah. It's yeah. bad news. So it's bad. Too. Yeah. So they're like, we don't know if you, you know, if, if you've acquired it, but we want you to, we want to get you guys on a string of prophylactic um, antibiotics and get you, you know, make sure that you're, you, you're as well treated as you can be. Okay. I'll call my supervisor. So I call the supervisor. Hey, just so you know, we got to go to the hospital. Why would you forget? Um, not to work for this company. I don't know. So... <laughs> I go, we go, we go in there and we're talking, we're talking with the, uh, with the doctor and getting an update on the patient and what's going on. This guy, now I understand this dude was fine the day before. 
The wife said that she was normal. There was yeah, no he issue. He went downhill he, fast. He, within, within a matter of like 12 hours. Yeah. He was unconscious, unresponsive, fever of 105. Whoa. 105 it was 105.3. <clears throat> um, and just, I mean, totally screwed. Um, they had to transfer him to the ICU on isolation. He was... Uh, they were monitoring his intracranial pressure because his brain had swollen. That's how bad the infection was. Um, and they said they didn't think he was going to make it. Shit. Um, so my partner and I decided to keep a close eye on this guy. The guy's in the hospital for three and a half weeks. My oh. partner and I going in there, like every shift when we're on, we're going into the hospital and checking on this guy to see how he's doing. He didn't regain consciousness for like a week and a half. He was in a coma for a week and a half. Yeah. That's where you're, it, it basically causes the swelling of the spinal cord and brain. Right. If, if I yep. understand correctly. Yeah. It's, it's the, it's your meningeal layer that actually right. is inflammation of the, of the, the meninges. Which causes um, the pressure and the fluid, like all that. Right. Stuff. So and your body's going, the, ah, and tries yeah, to cook your brain, it off. Your brain and spinal cord are basically stuck in like, in, in like a solid, pipe and right. it's capped off on both ends so there's only so much that's allowed in there so anytime that anything backs up in there there's extra pressure the last thing you want to do is you don't it's going to find Blow up path, yeah. path of least resistance there's only yeah. one hole in there's, there's only one hole in your skull and that's the base of your mm-hmm. spine your uh your uh, brainstem so yep um so anyway so we go back and forth with the you know with the supervisor saying hey we don't you know we we need to change how we do this whole contagious disease Ebola thing. So because of that call and because of everything that happened with the Ebola thing, we had to actually put into place a uh, protocol for dealing with uh, pandemics and outbreaks because they didn't have that before. Right. Which, you know, it's not a big deal for an ambulance yeah. company, you know. But it was a who needs was a, a who needs a was, protocol for an outbreak? Fuck it. It was it was a fight trying to get them to understand that we needed this. They're like, this will never happen. There's never going to be an outbreak like this again. It's not. It's not. You know, this that never happens. It's you only see that in movies. And I'm just kind of looking. I'm like, do you know what field we work in? Um, fast forward uh, to. 2019 2020 and uh they're using the same protocol <laughs> that they, that they yeah. put in place for my call to deal with uh with the covid exposure uh, yeah and uh fortunately there are very few um amr emts that have gotten covid and been dealing that have had to actually be down most of the, most of the guys that that did get it were you know mild and they didn't get it at work they got it at home Right. Right. And you know, what's funny is that during this whole Ebola thing, and then the start of COVID during Ebola, we were briefed in roll call, like, Hey, we've had numerous um, uh, cases that have come out of LAX regarding Ebola. Ebola is now an outbreak in this area. Um, So they're like, be careful out there. We're like, "Um, Hey, knowing what Ebola can do to you, What's in place regarding us reporting or like responding to scenes and stuff like that of people who are dead or sick or shit like that, or possibly, um, 
contaminated or have Ebola, what, what do we do? They're like, re- respond as normal, wear gloves. And we're like, what about masks? Nothing. Well, we don't have any. Okay. Um, well, what do we do? Well, if, if the person's positive, just let us know. And then we'll try to get you to the hospital. And then that was it. It was super vague. And we're like, what the fuck? And this went on for months months and we're like we had yes. no word they weren't briefing us and in, in roll call really we would have to ask about it and everyone was kind of keeping it hush hush and we're like what the fuck like this is some scary shit like a bullet will fucking kill you if you get it you, you're it's basically a death sentence you you, you get it you're dead basically and you're just gonna have to wait to run the symptoms and then yes. die so yeah right like nothing there's a there's a chance you'll recover <laughs> There's a chance to recover, but super slim. It's a roll of the dice. It's it's every- kind of the opposite of COVID, where there's a chance you'll die. No, 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 <laughs> Ebola. Right. There's a chance you'll recover. <laughs> so most people yeah. who were getting it were dying, and mm-hmm. what we were being told were like, "What the fuck?" Then fast forward to the COVID outbreak. Um, nothing was put in place for us, and we're like, "Hey, like what? Like this COVID thing? Like that seems weird. What the fuck is going on? Like they just shut down the airports and stuff, and we're like, well, what are we doing? We're like, hey, we don't have anything for you. Just uh, just respond as normal. Wear gloves if you think you need it. We're like, okay, the same shit as Ebola. Okay, this is weird. All right, well, what do we do? And then finally, one day they're like, hey, go get your masks, and we're like, okay, look, we're gonna hand out. Mind you, we had a bunch of fires in California." It was like the whole, all of California was on fire. Yeah. At yeah. one point, and the entire so we st- had, God was trying to get rid of us. Right. They were giving us these old mechanic gloves. You get at Harbor Freight or oh, goggles, God. the Doubles. big plastic ones that. Right. Would, like the shop glasses things. that you had you in, see. in science class in so 1988. Like, with these big leather gardening gloves that you. Right. Basically too big for your hands, no matter how big you are. And then this uh, dusk mask um, that basically at the fires when you're trying to wear it. And it had this like plastic ring that would come over over your face. You would still get a bunch of soot and smoke through it. And it was basically, you just take it off because you couldn't breathe in it no matter what, because you were just sucking in smoke. And so they're like, we're going to just hand out those. We're like, okay, well, how many do we get? One. One. Okay. Well, what about the mask? There's only one in there. Um, We just reuse it. The fuck? What happens if it breaks? Like, it doesn't really fit that well. It's uncomfortable. And they're like, that's what we got. Oh, well. And we're like, what the fuck? And so you're sitting there like, this is ridiculous. And they weren't mandating masks at that point. You're like, dude, this is crazy. And then even when they were like, okay, mandate masks, you're like, okay, well, where do we have masks? They gave us some like fucking t-shirts that were like cut holes, like homemade <laughs> yeah. things. Oh, yeah. Fit my face, it came to like right here because I'm a bigger guy. And these fit like basically children and small females faces. And then they were like, okay, well, we'll give you some other masks. And then these were just like, like another type of like cloth material that you could fart through it and still smell it and probably right. spit through it. And it would come right out. And you're like, this is shit. Like wh- if this is so bad, why aren't you giving us good mess? And then finally they were like, Oh, we'll give you um, like regular, like those like three ply masks. And you're like, right. okay, those are dog shit anyways. And then they're like, well, what about N95s? And they're like, well, we don't have any. And we're like, okay. And you know, it was just like this big like hurdle, and then they would they run out, and you're like, "This is so mismanaged. This is some bullshit." You well, mismanage COVID, you mismanage, you mismanage Ebola, and it's like it's, so it doesn't surprise it's me. A, you know? And the, and the thing is, it's across the board. So when I was in, yeah. so and you you know you know this, because when you're in the Marines, fucking they say that you know simplify. No, 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 make do. 
That's Marine Corps motto is not Semper Fidelis. <laughs> Let's just get that straight. That that's is their bar- public that, relations that's motto. That's their, that's their PR <laughs> motto. The actual relation is either is Semper Gumby. <laughs> or, always or flexible. Yeah, always <laughs> flexible or make do. Um, because we got the bottom of the barrel shit. We never had anything. I mean, right. when I was in, when we were in Iraq, we didn't have the vehicles we needed. So we were going down to the port when they were offloading vehicles and anything that wasn't claimed right away, we were taking a stencil and a can of black spray paint, putting in our freaking new numbers on it and driving that shit back. Oh, <laughs> dude, my homie, my homie in the Marine Corps, he was a SWAT team member on our sheriff's department where I was a cop at and he was a Marine during the late 80s early 90s and he was on maneuvers and out doing exercises in fucking hueys that had bullet holes from the vietnam war oh yeah oh yeah we were still so, using the same freaking radios they used in the vietnam war <laughs> right like like to give you an idea like everybody knows whatever you get in the from the government is surplus gear made by the lowest bidder like it's it's not Holy shit! That's what makes me laugh whenever they say, uh, "What is, what is it?" Uh, military grade. Like, military grade. <laughs> right. military grade. I just saw a meme about that where it's like civilians when they hear military grade and their eyes are all big, and mi- veterans are like, "Oh fuck, great." Yeah, no. <laughs> but uh, you know, it. it I think it, it. It comes down to, like, I mean, obviously that stuff comes down to budget, but when it comes down to organizations like that responding to stuff, I think they just don't know how to even wrap their mind around it. And they're so not prepared for it. And there it's is no not, other alternative. And that's not it. I can tell you right now, it, it all comes down to budget. Everything right. comes down to budget. Everything comes down to dollars and cents. Ultimately, right. we that's what we don't know. We, because, we don't have the money and we don't know how to deal with it. Because yeah, everything comes down, because think about it, the amount of time that it takes to actually formulate a standard operating procedure, that just, that's, that's time and hours and pay. Mm-hmm. Then that has to get reviewed. It has to get approved. It has to go through uh, through legal. Then you have right, to get the bean the, counters. Then you, then, you, then you have to go. Yeah. Then you have to get the bean counters to go through it all. Itemize all the crap you're going to need in order to actually put this into place. So it's it it really doesn't. It's not a matter of you know being not understanding the scope of what's going on, and it has nothing to do with not. You know, not, no, not I, I really think it does, because when they when they understand, they may understand the scope of what's going on, but they there there's a, an element of we don't have the budget for this and we can't freak these cops out. We can't freak these paramedics. They just have to go do their job. That's just too fucking bad. So what we're going to do is we're just going to fucking lie to them and tell them it's fine and give them a pat on the head and these token instruments of like make you feel better, like the fucking T-shirt masks and yeah, they do some do something in the gardening gloves. And exactly. And you 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 get to I'll, I'll give you a perfect example in my opinion of a, I, I was there when a guy got needle stuck right needle oh, stuck. happened to me twice sure got needle stuck searching a bad guy and this goes to your point of of not knowing like the psychological torture of having to go 10 8 or or going out on your calls on the rig when you just got exposed to god knows what and ebola's going around how are you going to focus on patient care when you're sitting there wondering, am I, am I, do I have fucking Ebola? Am I going to die in a couple of days? You know, or, or something like that. Well, he got a needle stick. He couldn't sleep with his wife for six months. He didn't know if he had AIDS for a while. Like this was back when it was really, 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 really scary. And yeah. the department had protocols in place. They knew how to handle it. They knew how to deal with it. It was one person. They could manage his fears. They could manage the department's fears. They could tell everybody, hey, 
you know, just be careful when you're searching people and stuff like that. They can do all that stuff for a needle stick. But what about when every single person in the department gets a needle stick at the same time? Right? Like it, that's that it's kind of like, well, there's that comedian, Eddie Izzard, who talks about, we know what to do when you murder one person, you, you sentence you to death. Right. And we know what to do when you murder 10 people, we put you in a room and we study you with doctors and scientists, but we don't quite know how to deal with somebody who murders a thousand people. Cause then we're like, Oh, you must be very tired. You know, like, like, like mass scale murder. There comes a point at which our brains, I think, even, even, you know, this happens to administrators and hospital leaders and chiefs of police. There comes a point where you're like, this problem is so big. There's, I don't know how to, I don't even know. We don't have the money. There's no masks. We can't stop the world. We just have to keep going and fuck you. That's what you signed up for. Get out there and work. Here's some stuff to make you kind of feel better because I don't need a massive revolt on my hands. That's like, they're literally just putting band-aids on shit and telling you to get the fuck out there. Now I can tell you right now that it's one thing to have all that going on. And then there's two ways to handle it. One is the way that usually gets handled. And that's the way you described where it's the, here's the band-aid and, you know, pat on the head, you'll be fine. You know, like, oh, it's not that big a deal. Lie, lie to, lie to the employees and make you know, mm-hmm. just because heaven, heaven forbid. Then there's the way that should have it happen, and I can tell you right now that individuals, and, and this is one of the issues that I have with how upper management doesn't really understand the rank and file. When and I can go, I'm going back to another Iraq story. Um, when we were in Iraq for the first tour, or, or uh, yeah, for my first tour in the initial invasion, they gave us the. Um, they gave us the uh, the stupid malaria medicine, right? Right. Yeah. And uh, oh, the awesome. the deadly hydroxychloroquine. Yeah. So they well, they, but they gave, they gave it to us. And they're like, you need to take this. And right. my corpsman was like, okay, gather around. I'm gonna pass these out. And he handed us the little hydroxychloroquine packs and whatever. He's like, you have to take these. Before you take it, I'm just gonna read something to you. And he turned it over and read. All the possible side effects and whatever. Now, you can take it. It's up to you. Or we can write your name down. You tell us you take it. And then you can do like I'm going to do and bury this thing in a hole. Because I would rather deal with the malaria and be shit in a hole for freaking whatever and get treated afterwards than to prophylactically take this shit and have it possibly do some damage to me. Okay. That's an informed choice. Right? Now, if you were to do that to the rank and file on something like this, like say the whole thing with with COVID or with Ebola or with whatever the next freaking virus that's going to get put out there because there seems to be one every five years and say, hey, here's the situation. This new thing's come up. We're working on something to do. We're not really sure what we can do yet. This is what we got so far. Not sure if it's going to work, but it's the best we got. We still need you to do your jobs. We're still going to do our jobs. This is what we signed up for. How many people do you think are going to be bitches and just going to go, nah? You're going to get one or two. Yeah, you will. Yeah. But you're going to get one or two. Those are the people that shouldn't be there in the first place. Those are the people that shouldn't be there in the first place. The rest of them are going to go, all right, man, let's get to work. Because you don't. It, that's and that's that's the other thing is 
the sheepdogs don't do it for the pay. It's the calling. It's, it's, you know, like, like for me, get, getting into medicine was not, I didn't do it for the money. Obviously as a paramedic, I definitely didn't do it for the fucking money. Um, I did it because I wanted to help people. I did it because I would think about what would happen if my family needed me. I wanted someone to be there for them. So I wanted to do that right. for other people. And that's what law enforcement does. Fire does paramedics doc. I mean, doctors are, right, they get paid well enough, but still they, <laughs> they get in, they get into it because doctors they, are they so want health. Um, <laughs> Um, and that's, that's if there's anything the wrong with sociopaths, I guess. I, I, I just got gotten to the point now where I just get tired of the bullshit. So yeah. I just go up to somebody and when I can, t- when I, cause you can smell it, you know, when it, when someone's trying to, trying to lay it on thick and they're trying to, you know, they're trying to pull some bullshit. Mm-hmm. I just started calling them out on it. I just stopped giving a fuck. I'm like, look, yeah. give it to me straight. Tell me what the problem is and let's get back to work. Like it, cause I, I mean, worst yeah. case scenario, I got nothing. I'm going to go back and do my job and we're in the same boat. But if you tell me what the problem is, motherfuckers are in are, are ingenious. You get the rank and file together, they're gonna. I mean, Chuck, you know, the, you know the Lance Corporal Underground. You give yeah. them freaking, you know, you tell them there's pussy on the other side of a wall. You give them two sticks, they're gonna find a way to breach that wall. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're we're pretty resourceful they're guys. Problem. Yeah. So, and that and that's yeah. the thing is, I, I wish that we you know we were past this whole mentality of oh the peons don't understand they can't handle it you know what yeah, this is crazy because you have people in jobs that are in charge of hundreds of thousands of people they're in a leadership position yet you treat them like a fucking child and the the thing is is that major organizations police departments fire departments any first responder agency preaches transparency but there's no transparency when it comes to rank and file and officers because it's like oh well, they can't handle the information they can't handle the truth but you're like transparency what you preach to the citizens which is supposed to build uh morale and trust trustworthiness and shit like that you need to have that with your rank and file because if you don't you're not building that morale and 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 that that trust with the people that work for you who are supposed to go out and do a good fucking job and the thing is is that you could give us shitty news but if you're transparent about transparent about it and honest about it we will trust you more and there will be better morale and camaraderie because right. you're not we all in the suck together. Exactly. And, and that's the thing. My grandfather used to say, don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining. Right. And it like, it, I love that saying. Exactly. And if, if somebody has to, if, if we all have to eat a shit sandwich, I mean, let's face it, you know, if you join the military or you join law enforcement or you join public safety in any way, shape or form at some point, you will be served a torta de mierda and you will have to eat some of it. And here's if, if the if the boss comes to you and says, look, here's the shit sandwich. Everybody has to eat one bite. And I'll eat a bite, too. And everybody's like, all right, boss, let's do first. first. <laughs> you know, fine. But what That's is the happening? Is, a boss and a leader. Yeah. The, 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 there's somebody who's going to come in and go, no, 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 it's, it's peanut butter and jelly. It's peanut butter yeah. and jelly. It's peanut butter and jelly. Well, you eat it first. No, I, I already ate. I'm sorry. I'm yeah. not hungry. That's fucking bullshit. That's different. And that's what we, that's what we're going to deal with. Yep. So yep. anyway, I appreciate you coming on. And, and I, I, I thought that story was uh really, uh, I guess, take it or leave it for what it applies to, to this day and age right now. Yeah. But, right. 
that kind of shit's going to happen. And normally uh, at this point, we let our guests um, dedicate their episode to a fallen brother or sister. But uh, in this case, Chuck has, uh, has one that's a little bit personal to him, Pete. So we're going to, we're going to have Chuck take the dedication of this episode over right now. Yep. So I'm going to be doing a dedication. Um, I'm sure a lot of, if you follow our Instagram page, in Facebook, you saw us post an LEPD badge uh, with a morning van across it and um, some information on it. Um, police Officer 2, Fernando Arroyos of Los Angeles Police Department and here in California, uh, end of watch was Monday, January 10th, 2022. He was involved in a shooting which occurred off duty. ODMP, the Officer Down Memorial page, um, because he took action and he tried to save the life of uh, his fiance or girlfriend um, and himself. Um, they gave him a line of duty death, which I was like, super ecstatic about. And, and, and he it means put a himself lot. on duty. And the crazy thing is it happened in, in LA County's area and the sheriff of LA County, um, Villanueva, he is bypassing Gascon and going straight to the U.S. Attorney's Office. Because and, and all the LAP officers um, were saying thank you uh, because this means a great deal because now there possibly will be some justice to be served. Fernando Arroyos, police officer Fernando Arroyos, was shot and killed as he took police action when three men attempted to rob him at the 1700 block of East 87th Street. He and his girlfriend had stopped to look at a house that was for sale and were crossing the street. When three men got out of a vehicle and attempted to rob them at gunpoint, Officer Arroyo directed his girlfriend to safety as the men opened fire on him. He was able to return fire before being mortally wounded. He was taken to a local hospital where he succumbed to his, his wounds. And I'm going to stop it right there. He was taken to a hospital inside of uh, um, L.A. County shops. Those, those deputies that were at scene drove him immediately to the hospital. Um, yeah. Where he succumbed to his wounds, three men and two women were detained in connection with this, uh, with his murder. Officer Arroyo uh, had served with Los Angeles Police Department for three years and was assigned to the Olympic Division. He is survived by his mother and stepfather. His age is 27. He has three years on the job. His badge number is 43835. He died of gunfire and Olympic. Um, my heart goes out to you. There's a bunch of good dudes there. And I know you guys are hurting. Um, I personally know a lot of officers there at Olympic division for Los Angeles police department, and they are all good dudes and they welcomed officer Royo into their ranks. Officer Royo is a good dude. And he died a hero. He died. He died saving his girlfriend's life. Uh, when three assholes decided to try to kill him and his girlfriend while they were looking at a house. So this goes out to you, brother. Uh, we have it from here. Rest easy till Valhalla. Um, it's pretty shitty. Um, these yeah. senseless attacks I mean, need to stop. I mean, it's, it's complete bullshit. And there's so many of these robberies that are being broadcasted in Los Angeles, in LA County. Um, he was vigilant. And unfortunately, he was ambushed by three suspects. Um, and fire superiority kind of just took him out. And that's really sad. But he stayed in the fight. Um, he returned fire. And uh, he gave it everything that he had, and he and he went out like a like a fucking hero. So, 
you know, rest easy. We got it from here. Yeah. Pretty shitty day for Olympic Division, Los Angeles Police Department, and his family, and uh, his mother. It's not like he was out doing his fucking job. He was out helping shop for a home and had to put himself on duty to defend his his family and friends. So, you know, he he did what any one of us would do. Yeah. So I, I, I just, we just he, wanted to recognize his sacrifice. So. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Pete, it's it's uh, it's uh, always fun having you on. I, I, you know, I've known you. God, I've known you since uh, you were a teenager. Before you, I remember when you said you were going to the Marine Corps. We're like, yeah. So, um, you know, it's been a long time. Twenty two years. Yeah, something like that, right? Our friendship's old enough to drink, really. <laughs> so, well, uh, Chuck, do you have anything on? Uh, we, we're those, those our Wooby hoodies are going fast. Just so everybody knows, they're going yeah. fast. Get on there, order some. Um, if you live in Canada, you're going to have to pay for your shipping. So order, you know, a shirt, um, some patches. Make and, it worth uh, it. <laughs> make, make it worth it. I have a couple of hats that aren't on there. So if you're from Canada or you're from other places and you're like, hey, do you have any any hats or whatever? And you want to grab one. Uh, maybe you live far and the shipping is expensive, you know, because you're, you're out of the country. Let us know. Um, Go to booking.warstories at gmail.com. Again, that's booking.warstories at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to a spot on the show, we've gotten a lot of, of good emails in. Um, you can also, if you forget that, go on Instagram, Facebook, DM. We will send you to the link and we'll tell you, hey, just click on the link. Go to booking the booking email and click it and put your uh, your application in to get a spot on the show. Again, that's booking.warstories at gmail.com. Don't forget to go to Wix uh, at the website, purchase some gear, some Whoopi hoodies. Support the podcast. Exactly. I don't know how long they're going to be there. So grab them now. Um, Yeah. We only have a limited supply. We didn't, we didn't like, we don't have, we we can order more, but we don't have plans to order more. So this is right now a, a a limited supply offer. Um, So for sure, get, get those. I I do say this. Um, I, I wear a normally an extra large, so I put an extra large on. They do kind of fit a little bit big. If you were a bigger guy, go go with your true to size. If you're a little smaller and you like to wear larger things, I would probably go with you know, um, you know, probably the size down. I mean, they do fit pretty pretty big. Um, if you are taller, go with the bigger size. You know, the the extra large or whatever. Yeah. But uh, a large for for people who are like, oh, I wear extra large. You you could probably fit into a large. I'm not I'm not gonna lie. These depends these on how baggy you want. Yeah. It also depends if you're concealing. I, I like it a little bit of a drag um, because I conceal um, a firearm. So I do like it for that. Uh, so I wear a lot of larger clothes. But yeah, just, and know, be, be advised me. when you email us, um, we are going to ask you, what do you want to come out and talk about? So um, one of the quickest ways to eliminate yourself from contention is when we say, well, what story do you want to tell to go? Oh, I don't know. I just I wanted, you know, I had some stuff. You know, we, we, you know. Let it let us know what you want to talk about. It helps us to to yeah. decide, you know, who, what, when, where, why. Just put That's it right, right in there in, in the email and it helps us quickly go through it. And then um, we can contact you and uh, talk with you. You can also put your cell phone number in there because it's a lot faster to speak through through cell phone yep. um, than it is yep. through an email. And sometimes you guys don't see the email. So you can throw your cell phone number in there. We give you a call too as well. Yep. But please put in the reason why you want to come on. So, Pete, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it as always. Thanks for having me. 
Yeah, and uh, we'll 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 have you back on again. Hey, you're crazy for going back to school, but you know we'll have to we'll have you back on and we'll, we'll talk we already about do that. that. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you know, you went in the Marine Corps, you were in worked in EMS. If you weren't crazy before you went in, you're at least crazy now. So, <laughs> well, until our next episode, come home with your shield or on it. <laughs>